Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. Away we go. Here we are. Principles of Performance Podcast, episode number 35. We got another great episode lined up and another awesome guest. Uh, my name is Eric Degatti, your host, along with my co-host, Mike Perry. Mike, how are we doing today? Another day in paradise, you know. It's uh, beautiful here in Boston. It's about yeah, 30 degrees and gray, so it's, it's a typical Boston day. Yeah, well, that's what you get in Boston. So with that, uh, I just note that when our guest comes on, he's got a Yankee hat on. So he's already warmed himself into my heart. And he's and Uh-oh. I've been a big fan of this guy's work for, for a while. So let me introduce uh, Luca Hosevar. He was born and raised in Ljubljana. I think I did that right, Slovenia, oh, yeah. and gives uh, credit to basketball, uh, fitness, and coaches. And taking him from going down the wrong path and in crime, and he actually became a professional basketball player uh, in the elite European leagues as well as the NBA Summer Pro League. Uh, after his pro career, he went on uh, into his passion and fitness to affect uh, other lives like the coaches who, who affected his. And he's been a coach for 14 years, building skill sets in every area associated with physical and, and mental performance. We're going to talk all about that as well as body transformation. Uh, he's the founder and, and co-owner of uh, Vigor Ground Gym in, in Slovenia, as well as uh, uh, Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance in Seattle, Washington. Um, and both those gyms are, are highly recognized um, uh, around the world, and they've, they've worked with over 8,000 clients since 2006. Um, he also started the uh, Vigor Ground uh, Fitness and Business Summit. Uh, one of the industry's most respected educational events for coaches and gym owners. And he's worked personally with over 3,000 clients, everything from NBA to NFL, UFC, MLB, college, high school, rehab patients, you name it. Um, and so uh, he's he's appeared everywhere. Um, he's been in Men's Health, Stack Magazine, Onnit Magazine, Entrepreneur, HBO Real Sports, you go on down the list. He's been there. Um, we'll have his whole bio in there. But if I keep going, we'll take up the whole show. And I want to, I want to get to him. So welcome, Luca Hosvar. My pleasure. My pleasure to be on the show, guys. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you have uh, quite an interesting backstory, Lucas. So kind of tell us about your journey from Slovenia to to here and your career as a pro athlete and into what you're doing now. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm gotten decently good at making this pretty short and i and i, and I say that because um you know I, it, it's like i don't want to dive just into that but it will the, the short of it is is that um you know basketball was kind of like a sport that uh um i got into and and a lot of folks will go like oh did you know love the sport this is where i try to make this point by the way what I'm, I'm gonna drop a lot of book names um because I, as i read a lot but but you know i didn't I was a short, scrawny kid. So, you know, basketball wasn't like, oh, I step on a court. All of a sudden, I got a Steph Curry shot and I'm dunking on people, right? Like, I actually, I was the kid that wasn't, you know, getting picked at all. Stuff, so, oh, we got to pick that kid. I oh, sure he sucks. 
you know, so it was more of a chip on my shoulder that made me practice ball, you know, and as I got better, I loved it more. And uh, I go to, you know, Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, you know, where he talks about the passion hypotheses and, uh, you know, how people think that they're going to be passionate about something day one and that's it. And all of a sudden you love it and you just do it. Uh, but, you know, you get as you improve your skill, you love something more. So I think that's important to to kind of recognize. That was my first uh, journey into basketball was I was just kind of pissed off and <laughs> wanted to prove people wrong and kept practicing a, a lot more than everybody else did and, and got good at it. Um, you know, so ball was very much so became a passion for sure. Uh, and it was also the thing that kept, well, let's say kept me like, you know, my teenage years, I was, I was very uh, kind of, let's just say I was a knucklehead kid in um, between the ages of like 13 all the way until I went to college in the U.S. There was some form of crime in my life and it kind of escalated. Um, and, and I would I legitimately say, but if it wasn't for basketball, I, who knows, I, it wouldn't have been good because uh, it was already not going down the, the right track as it was. And that's when I made a decision that we, with our basketball team from Slovenia, we went to um, Eastern Invitational Basketball Academy. So basically it's in Trent, New Jersey, uh, and that was our our kind of, you know, Slovenian team experience. Like, hey, let's go to the U.S. Let's put our, uh, you know, play against the top high school players in the U.S. And it'll be a great experience. And it was. So I'm I'm 17 years old and I did really well there. Uh, and, I, and I really liked it. And there was a the coach there, uh, Wayne Jones, that was like, hey, uh, you ever thought about going to college? And I was like, no, not really, because. You know, at that point in time, I was I was basically playing Division II pro ball, getting paid under the table. You know, I was I was going to school here and there, but really, but I was also you know on the street selling dope. So I was basically you know in my dumb dumb kind of like teenage head, essentially like um, I, why would I go to college, right? Um, all I want to do is play pro sports. I was I was doing a bunch of dumb stuff that was making me money. Um, and in that then in that like that year from about seventeen eighteen, a lot of crazy things happened. You know from getting shot at to just a lot of stuff that was like was escalating and throughout that year Wayne kept emailing me you know he was like how are you doing what's going on this that the other and uh he, he didn't know what was all going on in my life because I didn't share like the craziness of it but he said why don't you why don't you come down to e, uh to Denver where I live and we'll go to EIBC again for a couple weeks and basically as you know without diving too deep into the story of all the stuff that was going on I was like yeah why not so you know took my own cash that I had and following year, I ended up going, going there. And, you know, I had no idea how the college recruiting works, by the way. Right. So this is July. And there's a lot of school like Quinnipiac, Delaware State, um, Western Michigan. They were all interested because I played really well and said, hey, look, we'll, you know, we'll give you a scholarship. But we're out of scholarships. Obviously, it's July. So you'd have to walk on. And, you know, schools, basically all those schools are like 40, 50 grand a year. So not, nothing that we could afford um, and so couldn't do that. But there was uh, one of the coaches that was coaching me there at EIBC say, hey, like I, I used to coach and play for a school in upstate New York. You're really good. You'll probably start year one. Um, you know, there's no full rides because it's a D2, but you can get some coverage, this, that, the other. And basically, you know, I, I came home August 3rd. I made a decision, you know, and and started working on on uh going to school in america and a lot of it was because i was so deep into uh let's just say not good stuff that it was a solution for me to continue to play ball be able to do school um and get away from the craziness and and i did i ended up uh, going two years of junior college in upstate new york then i went for a full ride down in southern virginia 
um, went and played three years overseas. Uh, and from there, uh, we started the gym. And it's like, you know, this is a very fast forward forward thing. But there was all there was always a constant. So I want to mention this because there was always a constant of fitness in my life. And it almost kind of, you know, popped up later to me. It was just like, again, going back to Cal Newport's book, Deliberate Practice, right? So, you know, in career capital, when I was 13 years old, my mom worked two jobs. She ended up, you know, working at the bank, opening up a gym with a friend. It was a little gym. And that's when I started like lifting weights. And it was it was what put muscle on me. I was able to jump higher. I had some, uh, you know, very fortunate, I would just call myself lucky mentors because uh, the top powerlifting guy in the country trained at that gym. And at the bottom of the building, so in, in Europe, you have these uh, physical education buildings, and that's where the gym was. Uh, there was there was two guys that trained, and one of them is uh, Aliaj Pigan, hard name to say, but he was five-time world champion in straddle. I mean, these guys were like Olympic-level gold medalists, and they'd come up, and you know they had their little gym at the bottom where they trained most of the time, but they'd come up, and they'd show me stuff, bodyweight stuff and training stuff, and I didn't even know how you know fortunate I was. So there I am at 13, you know, 14, getting mentored by these really smart guys when it comes to training. And, uh, and I, and I really improved and that, so the gym started was kind of, this was the, the, the starting point of, you know, kind of me and me and fitness and performance and getting into it. Because when I started doing that, now, when I went back and played ball, I was like, oh, I can jump higher. Oh, I can bully a lot of these folks. Cause I'm stronger than, them. Ooh, like I got a quicker first step. So that's when I really kind of bought into it, you know, for what it gave me, I was more confident. Cause I went from being scrawny to not being so scrawny and, um, and around, you know, 14, 15 years old, I already started, uh, you know, back then it was like I'd buy Air Alert, which was like this plyometric program, which was dumb as can be. But nonetheless, I was starting to kind of throw myself into like learning. You know, I was reading Speed Trap at like, you know, 15, 16 years old with Charlie Francis stuff or Hershonsky stuff. Like, so I was just like geeking out on all these things. But at that point in time, it was all, uh, you know, to improve performance in basketball. It wasn't like, oh, Luke is going to be a coach. It was like, I'm going to do everything I can and read everything I can and learn to be able to dunk. Obviously every kid wants to dunk, you know, be, be better on the basketball court. So that's where it started. And then that continued. Cause I was just, I mean, voracious about studying sports performance all throughout, you know, uh, my, my basketball career. So once, you know, I decided to, to kind of call it quits with, with ball, I was already, that last pro pro uh, ball year, I was already training people um, at a gym, and we started. You know, it's funny you said uh, the strong first and RKC because I did. Uh, I started doing Pavel stuff in two thousand, right? So like, I did the first RKC in in Europe, which was twenty uh, two thousand and three, and um, had a lot of you know uh, Steve Cotter and and a uh, Steve Max, Steve Maxwell, good friend. Like, I mean, way back. So I was doing KBs, you know, long 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 time ago. And that was all stemming from, you know, this trying to learn uh, and improve. And then we started training folks with kettlebells. We're the first kind of coaches in, I would say, the whole of the, the Balkans uh, that were training folks. And that's how the first gym got started. You know, I went to my, uh, we were we were training folks uh, outside in this park called Tivoli. And it just went from, you know, two people to four to eight to 15. And I was like, man, listen, we, we got something here. You know, my brother was reluctant because he's like, uh, you're getting married. You're gonna probably move to the U.S. And uh, I kept bugging him, and we eventually opened up. I mean, now it's been 16 years. 
that uh that bio you read is, is a little old from the side i gotta i gotta redo it because i'm a uh, 18 plus years in the coaching game 16 years in the gym game now um and we started a, a it was a 470 square foot room and that was kind of like the first it wasn't called vigor ground then but that was our first gym and um you know now we've, we've been in slovenia for 16 years as we were the, the first gym of its kind functional training gym as, as, as much as i hate to say the world necess word necessarily but um and then i went you know i went to the u.s started from scratch and built the gym there and that's been 14 plus years since i've had that one so that's my you know caffeinated sped up 550 words a minute uh a breakdown of it so so, so we can dive into details if you guys want awesome that's fascinating and, and so mike before you jump in i do have to say as someone who didn't have quite the the childhood you had luca i, I also had my years where you know, I ran, ran with some of the wrong people. And I can tell you that, that none of the guys that I knew who were dealing were reading Berkashansky. <laughs> <laughs> so so hey, that is, that is a first. That's a combo, right? Let's that is that. quite a combo. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's even coaches now that don't read that stuff anyway. So uh, it is what it is, but so, you know, you've had a kind of a crazy background. You've got a facility in the U S and, 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 you know, in Slovenia, but question I have for you are what are the biggest differences we see in fitness when it comes to how the U S approaches health and wellness and how maybe, you know, people do it overseas, et cetera. So mm -hmm. in some, in some cases we probably have some advantages, but in some other cases we can probably learn from, you know, what people are doing overseas. Can you sort of fill us in on, on your thoughts and what you've seen from that? Yeah, that's a great question because it's going to make me dive into two different pockets. So, so I'm going to give you like a frame from a gym owner, right? And I'll just give you like these, because, uh, I, I, you know, we kind of built it similarly. I think that uh, you, not just Europe, but the rest of the world, I was always uh, saying that we were, they were trend wise, probably about five years behind. And it's all obviously catching up because of internet and everything else, right? But that's legitimately how I saw it was that, you know, when I, once I got here, it was like things there were five years behind. Let, let, me, let me just give you an example, okay? We had to fight really hard. Uh, this has now been probably five years, maybe six years, to get an EFT system into the gym, okay? So imagine how many different uh, recurring billing things you have in, in, in the U.S. Well, there it was just like we had to go to bank, and the bank was like, oh, you guys are a gym. I don't know if we can do recurring revenue type stuff, right? So – and I, I say these examples to show just that like the trends always follow the US when it comes to fitness, whether it's the business side or whether it's the fitness side, right? Um, which you can you can say good or bad on that side of things. But um, here's a big one that will we'll kind of shine a light on it, right? In the summer, you know, we, we kind of started running into a big issue where in Slovenia, and this is Europe in general, People leave. People don't go to the gym, right? Because they're on vacation. They're outside. They're, you know, we would basically have a 50% drop off um, in, in clients because people are so outdoorsy. They're so active that it's kind of like, well, yeah, no, I'm not going to be in the gym for the two, three, two to three months, right? That doesn't really happen in the US. So you look at these lifestyle factors um, that, that are different. And, you, and it is true. Like lifestyle there is dramatically different, you know, and I would say that, uh, in some countries, it's, you know, gotten a lot worse when you look at the UK, for instance. Um, but if, if you go to Slovenia, people are just very active in general. You go out, people are walking around like lunchtime is an hour and a half there, right? People are sitting down, they're at cafes, 
they're eating slowly, they're having coffee, they're, it's, it's a much more social environment, right? And, and you feel that inside of the gym too. For example, you know, our gym in Slovenia, we sell beer. And if we didn't, people would be pissed off, okay? Um, if you do, if you did it here, people would be like, what the hell, like your fitness facility, you sell beer, you know, and there people get done with a tough workout. I'd be like, all right, give me a cold one. So there's, there's this kind of like social aspect. Everything's, uh, I would say a little bit slower, which then dictates how you operate also as, as a gym and a coach. Um, of course, like, you know, just baseline things such as membership rates, because, what people on average make there is, is a lot less than they do here. So all those things come into play, but just on the side of, um, I would say lifestyle, people are more, in general, more active where in the U S if you think about it, like many of our clients, you know, the only activity or much of the activity that they do is in the gym, right? It, it's not like, okay, I'm going to go home for a hike and we're going to go do this and we're going to do that. And then we're also going to come to the gym, right? It's like, I'm going to come to the gym. That's going to be my fitness and activity. Uh, and, and you, and you see and feel that in, in many parts. And I've, you know, been fortunate to live in many areas, uh, in Europe for more than, you know, six months to a year it, around, I'm honestly around the world. I've been, I've been living in a lot of places and that's one of the, the things that pops up, you know? And so you have kind of like both of these, uh, both of these things that I'd say, uh, you got to look at both as a business owner in the fitness space. Um, and also, you know, how people operate because, you know, the, the, that magic word culture, which we can maybe dive into a little bit more, but like the, the, the culture is different and you have to honor and respect the culture. And you can't just go like, oh, now nah, we're going to do it like this because the people, you know, they're going to be like, nah, man, you don't have beer. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, I, 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 I don't like a beer. I can't see the notepad next to Mike Perry, but I know it has sell beer underlined (laughs) as his notes for skill of strength. No, you know it. It's it's, only a matter of time. It's reestablishing glycogen levels after a hard workout. That's what it is. A lot of B vitamin in there. I mean, you're it's just the nutrients, man. Everything you need. It's it's science. You're selling to you're selling to the sold right there, Luke. Yeah, we should deep deep dive into that one and be like uh, post workout hops yeah i think recovery be- beers that's it man you got it there's a new there's a new business right away man you're gonna have a distillery and a brewery right on right on uh on your premises now <laughs> all right so you know so in following a lot of your work Luke, you you can have this consistent theme that i see of of the the concept of transformation and you take it at multiple different levels and i, I want to kind of start at the most fundamental level where where people are looking at with body composition and, and changing you know changing their body so what do you see is kind of like the foundational elements of of where you have to get started uh, in in kind of your book of uh, on that end? It's um I think it's been a while, but I, I still kind of like that idea of I don't know if you guys remember uh, Alan Cosgrove had like a hierarchy of fat loss pyramid. Um, yeah, Alan's work is it, great. Yeah, and I mean basically, you know, that's that's it. It starts with you know if you look at the bottom of the pyramid, to me, it's always it's lifestyle behaviors, which a lot of that falls into nutrition. Um, you know, this was, man, it's, it's probably been like, I don't know, six, seven years that, you know, I started being on podcasts and saying like, look, you know, you can't, if you're a, a fitness professional and you don't do nutrition coaching, you know, I said in five, six, seven years, you'll be a relic. And I think today, maybe not a relic yet, but, but it's like, you're missing this massive component. It's like a, you're a basketball player. It's like, Hey, I, you know, I shoot incredibly well. I just don't, don't dribble. You know, it's like, okay, that's going to be a problem. Um, and that's, you know you have to get good at uh, 
nutrition coaching. But here's the thing. This is what I think the next five years probably is going to be that you're, you're going to start becoming a little bit of a relic. Like if you don't understand uh, psychology and behavior change, uh, that's, you know, you got a lot of folks. It's like, know the X's and O's. Let me tell you, let me tell you a secret, right? Most clients know what they should do next. Okay. So if I, if you sit, if you sit down, I've done this a million times where I sit down with a client and go like, Hey, what's some of the things that you feel like could help you, you know, uh, drop weight and drop body fat and get healthier. And they'll list them. Right. So, okay. So th that means they don't have an excess nose problem, at least not the next step. Right. So how do we get them to do it? This is all change psychology. This is all behavior change. This is all environmental you know, factors. And so we have to understand this stuff to then be able to help people implement this into their lives. Uh, I would, you know, I would argue, and I'm a very, very geeky person, right? Like, I mean, I study training in and out left and right. Um, but it's probably been about, you know, seven or eight years where I completely realized that like, man, like if I knew only 15% what I know about training, I would still do exceptionally well with coaching clients. If I helped, if I was a good communicator, if I understood, if I understood change psychology, you know, if I got great at motivational interviewing and crucial conversations and, you know, things of that nature to help guide people so that they could actually implement the X's and O's. So I, you know, so the bottom of the pyramid is that, and, and I'm, you know, if I'm speaking to people that um, obviously are fitness professionals, this is my challenge and my push that you should be studying that, you know, at, as much, probably more, because of course, everybody that's geeked out on training has aggressively geeked out on training. And probably it's like, you know, if you look at that bucket, the bucket of the other stuff has been very small. So you don't have to, it's kind of like if you're, you're really strong, like you don't need to do more strength training, just maintain that, right? But your cardio sucks, your power sucks. Okay, cool, let's bring those up. So, you know, I think that's a really, really key component. Um, and then then after, beyond that, it goes strength training, right? I mean, if, if I could do only uh, three hours of something, I would strength train. Now, uh, I think, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate too that my neighbor, who's one of my closest friends, I mean, I call him neighbor because he's in Kirkland, not far from here, is Joel Jameson. Um, and I've, you know, we've been really good friends for over a decade now. So it's, it's like, even if I came on any podcast and say how important cardio is, he's giving me shit about it. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, from there you could, you kind of, you have conditioning, but the thing is about, you know, conditioning for a long time where cardio was just kind of like, okay, this is how we burn calories to get leaner where to me now it's like, you know, it's, I don't really think about it that way. I think it more about the health component, um, and then you kind of break down that cardio aspect of it and go like, okay, what does a person need? You know, mo to be honest with you, mo most people need aerobic capacity work uh, for health. So we kind of plug that in for clients in different ways, you know, and try to structure something that they enjoy. So, you know, then in, in Washington, it may be going for a hike. Okay. Yes. Walking is not going to get you in a zone two. So we figure out different ways for them to do that more for the health component of it. Um, but you know, you look at that and it's like, okay, you got your lifestyle factors and nutrition, then you got your strength training, then you got your cardio, which you kind of breaks down into different pockets. Um, and the other thing that I talk about a lot is like movement quality, which you might go like, well, doesn't that go under strength training? Sure. But to me, I call them like, uh, I call it movement hygiene. So we pretty much do this with every person because every person that comes in here is usually got something wrecked, you know, I mean, shoulders, neck, low back, knees, ankles, there's stuff going on, you know, postures of life and stress and this gets them. So 
it, we try to get everybody to work on like about 10 minutes a day of, again, just like you brush your teeth. We try to get them doing, you know, that's tooth hygiene. We try to do movement hygiene where they're doing specific movements, mobility drills. And if they do that every day, it makes them dramatically move and feel better, which then allows them to train better. Um, because again, we can only control so much, right? If they're here three to five hours a week, still a lot of time that they're not here. So our, you know, our mission is to be able to essentially brain, you know, I call it brainwashing them to greatness. Um, and th those are the components. And I know that's kind of like a very 10,000 foot view, but again, like, you know, simplicity wins. Cause all I really care about is like, if you can get somebody doing things consistently, you know, the truth is for general population, for most people, you know, if they do five reps or eight reps, it won't matter. Right. Over the, if they keep coming in for, for in a course of the year. So, you know, yes, love periodization. We can dive deep into that, but in the grand scheme of things, if Susie, you know, is doing five to eight reps and, you know, Jane is doing eight to 12 reps, but they both stay consistent throughout the year. It's not going to be like one of them is going to be insanely better, have insanely better results. To me, what's going to make the bigger difference is did they consistently come in and strength train? Did they consistently do their cardio? Did they do their movement hygiene? Did they consistently improve their nutrition and lifestyle habits? Right. And, and that's who we are. Like we're, we're essentially Sherpas, you know, it's, it's people who think, I think of coaches <laughs> as these like, uh, uh, like, let's go, you know, and I, I think 80% of the time you're a Sherpa, right? You're guiding this person to their Everest. And, and then, you know, 10% of the time you push them, you know, and 10% of the time you might pull them when they're down, but 80% of the time it's guiding them. And, you know, and to become a great guide, you, you have to actually practice that, you know, you have to build the skill of being a great guide. And that's where, you know, those skill sets that we talked about a little bit earlier come into play, communication, listening, empathy, uh, you know, interviewing, being good at questions, being good at, uh, again, like body language, even, you know, I, I studied and did courses of body language. I don't know how many with, you know, FBI and DA experts and all this stuff, because I was like, man, what, what are all the things that I can do to just get better at, at this stuff? Right. Hey, everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again. And let's get back to the show. So, you know, it, I love the fact that, you know, you were talking about you've studied all this work on periodization and Russian sports science and you have the knowledge and then you realize like it's good to have the knowledge. But at the end of the day, you're probably not using that much of it because there are, you know, the psychological barriers and the building habits and everything else that goes into it. And it's funny you say that. So I've been doing this for 20 years as well. And over the last few years, I've, I've said to myself, I've actually been studying a lot more about psychology and habits than anything else, because if you don't create that rapport and that buy in and the, the trust is not there, then I don't care how much you know about, you know, uh, depth jumps and sports science and periodization and macro mesocycles. It doesn't make a difference at the end of the day, because if they don't trust you and they don't want to spend time with you and they don't feel as if they're part of the journey with you, then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people you can impress with the big words. So, um, but kind of changing gears a little bit, um, you know, looking at your content, you seem to use like a little bit of everything. You seem to draw from, you know, various types of uh, modalities, whether it's kettlebells, body weight training. Um, I've seen you do a lot of mobility work. Um, 
But uh, the question I have is, is so when everybody's looking for like, what is the magic bullet? What is the thing that we need to do? How do you suggest that we take all of this great information and make it simple and easy to follow? So when people do start their fitness journey, they're going to be successful. I mean, you know, with, with the way that I started doing content, it was just like, it's very easy. I, I remember back in the day, somebody was like, man, just go niche, you know, just show this and teach this. And it, to, to me, it's weird because it's like, but that's not what people do. It's not what I do, right? Like, I mean, do you do mobility and warmups? Yep. Okay, cool. Do you do strength training? Yep. Do you do conditioning? Yep. What about food? Yep. What about my, right? Like, it's all a part of it. It's all a part of us changing. You know, if I, uh, I like buckets because it's simple for people. So when we, you know, educate people, we say, look, there's four things. There's training, there's nutrition, there's mindset, there's recovery. Kind of those are the kind of four buckets that we look at for your, you know, your life. And then we're going to improve in each of those buckets, depending on what you need. So that's how I approach, uh, I would say education on the platforms that I use, right? Like is all these things. Now your, your question is like, because for, for most people it can become overwhelming, right? Oh shit. Like there's this and there's this and there's this and there's this. So this is where I'm a big believer and I'm obviously biased here, but I'm, let me share some examples too in, in, in my life and in different parts of my life so that I can kind of uh, relay and it will make sense is, you know, having a path and a plan makes, so I always say it, that when there is no path and plan, you're going to go to default, right? And if your default is struggle, then that means you need a path and a plan, right? Because whatever you've been doing hasn't been working, right? And the, the moment that you go like, whatever I'm doing is like, it's not working that way I want it to, then you got to go some, some other route. And that's where I'm like, look, look, who is it that you follow? Who is it that you respect? Uh, who is the person that you're like, man, they've taught me a lot and I trust them, you know, but going back to the word trust. And it could be obviously offline, but it could be online too. And you go and you invest in a plan. And look, the plan can be uh, an ebook. It can be, you know, a physical book. It could be online coaching. It could be going to the gym, you know, the, Obviously, I, I believe face-to-face -face training and, and accountability is always going to be the best. But that way you have a path and you have a plan. And if you have a person that understands this stuff, they can guide you. Because it can be a lot. Like, look, it, this is one of the few spaces that if, if, if you were like, look, I got legal issues, right? And I like, I need help with legal issues. Hold up. Let me go read this book and this book and this book. And it's, fuck, this is all confusing, right? Like, you lose your mind. And but so you go like, hey, let me get a lawyer, right? It, so I think it's the same thing is, and again, there's, I think there's an ascension here, right? Where you can start with, I mean, I've had people that go like, Hey, I read a magazine article. You wrote that a program in it. And I started doing a program and like, it gave me results because what it does is it, it you lose the anxiety of everything else. And you're like, here's the plan. You know, I'm, is this the best plan in the world? Well, for the next four, eight weeks, whatever, it's, it's what I'm going to be doing. Right. So I think that that's one of the biggest components it was one of the i did uh you know this is kind of like there's tons of studies been done on this you know the 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 seven factors of people that lose the weight and keep it off right because there's been all these percentages flowing at, floating around and some people say they're right or wrong but that you know only five to ten percent uh over the course of three years that lost weight actually keep it off which is which is sad you know and but and it's something that all, we're all trying to change but those five to ten percent one of the seven things that were factors were that they were on a structured program, right? The second one is that they had some type of social support and community. Okay. So 
again, you look at though, I, I feel like those are actually like really big factors. Okay. Because I feel the environment is, is the thing that's really going to help you dramatically change your behaviors. And, you know, we know that like people adhere to social standards, right? Oh, look, you know, cause when we grow up, think of as babies, like, what do we do? We mirror other people to learn, right? Like, oh, they're doing this. I'm going to do that, right? That's literally how we learn. So that's why even in marketing and psychology, it's so powerful to understand like, oh, look at these hundred people. They're going and jumping off the bridge. I'm going to do it too, right? Not necessarily always the smartest thing, but that's how we operate as humans. So if I join in a in community, in an environment where the social standards are, I exercise because I want to be fit. I want to be a leader for my family. I want to, you know, show them how to be healthy and strong then people are, oh, that's what we do here, right? That's what culture is. This is how we do things here. Oh, I'm, you know, part of a, a community where people are trying to improve their nutrition because that's going to help them be leaner and healthier and have better blood work and feel better and have more energy and live longer, right? So now as a part of that community, I want to adhere to these standards of this tribe. So, which means that, well, the fastest way to change behaviors actually is to join a community that has the behaviors that you want to build, right? You know, I mean, that's an absolute cheat code. And so, you know, this is where kind of going back to like how I've done this apart from like, you know, I, I used hired coaches. Like when I was coaching, I hired coaches to write my programs, to coach me. I'd pay trainers that were like, you know, I heard with the best trainers and I pay them a high fee and I'd get training sessions in with them because I'd want to learn from them. You know, since for 17 years, I've been in some type of mastermind and coaching program. I have a bunch of my own uh, coaching, you know, business coaching businesses, but I'm still in like, you know, right now this year, I'm in three different things that I'm investing in. And it's like, it, it, it's a lot, like a big investment. But what am I doing apart from, hey, here's this person I trust. I know they're doing, they're great in this sector. I want to be part of this tribe so that my standards are now higher. Oh, these guys are doing this in real estate and they're killing it and they understand this. Okay, great. Let me, let me go here. Let me learn. Let me adhere to these standards. Right. So th this is the type of stuff that I think in, in fitness and nutrition, if people truly understood, uh, you know, how powerful it is that yes, like let's, we can talk about the X's and O's, but what if, you know, you just join a group of people that already have what you're trying to build. Right now there's, cause there's the other side of it. And we start, you know, we started talking about, I got into groups of people that were doing things a certain way, but it was like, it was criminal. So, you know, to not be excluded because that's one of the most painful things for humans, right. Is to be cast out of your tribe. I had heard to the standards of the tribe and those were criminal activities. Right. So it, it, again, that realization to just go, man, like, let me look at my environment, who I surround myself with. And how can I change that for it to, you know, to, to what I call like raising the thermostat, right? Like if you're 72 degrees, but you want your life to be at 95 degrees and you better surround yourself with people that are on fire so that they bring your temperature up, you know, and that's essentially, it's a skill like do that. You know, you, you can, you can do, you can do that today for most people. They can do that today. Like they can make a choice and go like, Hey, I'm going to invest or I'm going to do. And sometimes it's not even about paying money. It's about, Hey, can I tag along with two friends that like are super active? You mind if I, you know, start coming to the gym with you? Do you mind if I start going on this, that with you? Uh, that's insanely powerful. And like, you could, you could choose it in any sector of your life. You know, if it's business, it's like, okay, like I, the environment I'm in is not helping me become a better business person. I need to change that. So 
that's um i riff on that a lot because i think it's so powerful it's part i mean you know i'm a brick and mortar guy i, I got a bunch of online businesses too but i'm a brick and mortar guy like, like and i always will be because i love community like i love it like i love it you know be shake hands and kiss babies and be able to coach people in person and do charity events and you know bring people together i think that it's you know and you could look I, if, if you want to dive into studies we can do that all, all together all, all day um the book to uh, it's actually called together by uh man i'm forgetting the name right now he's a former uh surgeon general of the u.s um but it talks about loneliness and you know how basically loneliness is is as detrimental to mortality as anything else right so meaning that social connection i mean it's health so when we look at all these factors of training nutrition so on and so forth like communities and social connection is right up there and might even beat all of those right because if you don't have healthy a healthy community and social connections you're going to struggle like and again this is statistically proven right so we got to take take that into account too that's my two cents by the way that turned into 99 cents so no it's great <laughs> stuff and 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 i um I'm, being a big reader myself there's a, there's multiple books that actually talk about that the connection uh social connection being one of the big factors in longevity there's a book ikigai where they studied oh yeah uh, awesome. yeah they studied people who were centurions um who in uh, okinawa and they looked at certain themes and one of the, the the four tenets of what had them living not only living to 100 but thriving to 100 uh was that social connection um but i want to kind of go back to one of the things you mentioned is part of what you're doing now and it's kind of kind of coaching fitness professionals on career success. Now, our industry has gone through some massive changes, uh, especially since, you know, when I started, you know, 25 years ago, and especially now in the past few years with the pandemic, we had uh, Dr. John Rissen on uh, a couple months ago, and he gave us some stats that he, he had acquired that were pretty remarkable in terms of not only how many uh, pros that we lost in our industry, but also how many new faces are in there. And, and if you've gone out and, you know, like we have and go out and teach workshops, you see that it's so many new faces out there and now they have to navigate a different landscape than when we started. You know, when I started my, my first facility, um, it was 2002 and it was like, how good am I versus the other guy who's down the street? And that was pretty much it. And I could know that, Hey, look, I'm better than him, but now you got to compete against, you know, um, online training and you got social media influencers and it's not just me and the guy down the street. It's me in some, you know, mountain man with a shirt off eating organ meats in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the woods, taking steroids. Like, so like, how do you tell trainers how to have a sustainable career in that environment? I mean, listen, you, you asked me a question. This could be, you know, this could be a week long tutorial right here, but let's go. Um, <laughs> I still think here, here's the thing, right? Like I, I actually think that if most people that are in person, let's, let's just talk in person, if they operated more like it was 2002, they would do exceptionally well. Um, that's actually my advice for a lot of folks now is, is, is going like, look, cause as soon as, as soon as there was this explosion of social media, and by the way, I'm a fan of social media. Okay. So I'm, I'm not, I won't be the one that goes like, oh, turned off, you know, this, that, the other. It's just a reality that we exist in. And I think you can, you know, you should use it. You shouldn't let it use you. Uh, but with that said, what people started doing, and I coach so much, I mean, I coach so many people in, in the fitness business space that I've seen this happen, right? Where uh, this, it, it's because it's a focus thing, right? Social media garners attention. So because it does, a lot of coaches focus on it, right? Meaning, 
oh my God, what are these people doing? I got to do this. I got to run ads. I got to do more content, more content, which a lot of times, yes, you should. And we'll get to that. But it makes them completely not focused on community. Okay. So this, you know, the, the way that we build businesses, I'm sure the same, same as you did. I, I mean, I was like a, I mean, in every, and I still do, you know, it's like, I know every business locally, we would do joint vendor, venture partnership. I do lunch and learns every single week. You know, eventually I got to like, I was doing a lunch and learn almost a week, uh, you know, getting in front of different businesses and talking about nutrition and fitness and at the end making an offer for, you know, trying us out. Right. So, uh, you know, charity events, we still do a ton of them, but like being involved in a community, you know, I had this, I have this six by six strategy where it's like, you know, six days a week, talk to six people. But back then, you know, back then in 2006, it was like, you had to talk to people. You couldn't DM them. We couldn't message them. You had to actually talk to six people per day. And, and that worked. And the thing is, is like, it still does. I actually think it works even more now because people have gone away from it so much. So what I believe it's not an either, or it's an and, and it's, it's trying to merge and gel these two things together is how do you, you know, how are, can you be human? And, and I say, think about this analogy, right? That if, if some, you know, crazy uh, electrical wipeout happens and like we have, you know, there is no internet, there's no phone, there's no for six months, you know, will your business die? Will it survive or will it thrive? And you should build the business in a way that it thrives, even if that happens, because referrals, word of mouth, you're in the community, people know you, right? You do seminars and workshops in front of people, right? Because, and then you become that local expert. Now, that second part, the gelling of it is that if you just have some strategy and you understand that, you know, creating content like, like this podcast or, you know, video is, is a skill set. And that it doesn't take as much time as you think to be able to, you know, what if you spend 30 minutes a day or an hour a day on content, you know, shooting videos, writing, maybe, you know, make, making tweet posts for, or writing a blog once a week. And, you know, it, you have that time. And I know because part of what I do is when people tell me that they're so busy, we start analyzing their day and we realize that like 40% of the day is, is busy and completely unproductive. Right. It's just people are doing stuff that is not moving their life forward, their business forward, their health forward. Right. But they're, but it's packed, it's busy. So I'm like, okay, well, here's four hours in a day that you're actually not doing anything productive. What if you spend an hour of that, you know, creating content on, on platforms? And if the only thing that you thought about was like every piece that I create should be valuable to the person that's reading it, right. Uh, or watching it, whatever it may be. And you keep doing that, a lot of great things are going to happen. Now, that's without going into like strategic tactical stuff that, that you can do with it. I'm saying just as a framework, because, you know, back in 2006, I started writing articles because that's what, you know, that was what was available, right? So I don't know how many articles I wrote on my own blog before somebody was like, oh, would you write one for mine? And it was, you know, bigger names and stuff like that. You know, then social media came along. Then it was Facebook. Then, you know, I started doing YouTube like 13 years ago or something like that. Um, but it was like never with a, this crazy intent of becoming a YouTuber or whatever, right? It's it's just like, all right, let me put this content that I have that I think is valuable uh, on here and then just keep doing that. Now, it's it's more of a long-term strategy. I, I, believe, I believe every coach should do it. I, I believe that if you create content, it actually makes you a better coach because you have to distill like, if I have to make a 60 second video about something to make it clear and concise, I have to be good at doing that. 
if I write an article about something, like I have to distill, you know, and make it clear to the person reading it and hopefully entertaining enough, right? So it means that you actually have to get better at communication and coaching if you're creating content. So again, it's all about the frame that you look at it through. And to me, again, like we wear many hats. If you're a coach or especially if you're a gym owner, I mean, which hat, you know, like which hat do I have on right now? What am I going to have? Afterwards, I'm going to have the coaching hat on. Then I'm going to have a business building hat on when I have a meeting, uh, a business meeting, you know, then after that, I have a strategic hat on. Then I got, you know, it's, it's you're, you're constantly changing hats. And essentially, if you're a coach in industry that's starting, and let's just say that's is your first three years, I'll call that starting, right? Um, but you're going to have to change hats and understand that, hey, I just coached for five, four or five hours. Now I got two hours, you know, off and I'm going to spend 30 minutes marketing and I'm going to spend 30 minutes you know, creating content, I'm going to change my hat and then I'm going to get my, my workout in and I'm going to be back at it for, for example, right? You're just changing hats all the time. And it, it is, and the thing is, it's part of the game. If you want to be successful, um, you know, I'll be the first person to be like, look, it's like, what you know, I've, sometimes I'll get coaches is like, oh man, like I'm training people in the morning and then I got to come back later. I'm like, if, if you're absolutely hell bent against not doing that, especially your first five years, you probably shouldn't be in this industry because what do we do? Like we, we show up when clients can show up to help them, to coach them, to help them transform their life. And if you're like, yeah, but I want to, you know, I want to go eight to two or three. I'm like, good luck. You know, like that's, you're not going to be in this thing for a long time. Uh, and you know, and then sometimes it's like, well, then I'll go online. Uh, it's like, all right, but you gotta, you gotta coach the, the free ticket, life. right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it, it, and again, I'm, this is why I can riff on this stuff, man, because I, I do have some strong opinions around, uh, you know, personal co- personal training and online coaching, and and I'm I'm all for online coaching, by the way, you know. But the as as a career thing, um, I I believe that like you cannot be a great online coach without coaching people in real life. Like I, how does that even happen? Like you've you've never, that's like being like you're you're great at you know Call of Duty, right? Like. Like I'm great at war. No, bro. You, no, you're great at Call of Duty. Like, if I put you in a real war, that. like you will shit your pants and you won't know what to do. And to me, it's you know, I mean, it's a strong analogy, but I do. But I'm trying to make a point here, right? Because it's like when you deal with humans and you watch movement and you see all these intricacies, and you're like, I wrote this plan out, and now this plan is not working because I see this person not getting X, Y, Z. You gotta have thousands of hours of that. To where now when some online coaching client, you know, is working with me, I'm like, yo, send me a video. I actually have all these different things that I have taken from experience and computed in my head and like started going like, okay, here's what's probably happening here. That that person that's been, you know, coaching a little bit part-time for two, three years. And now, you know, they're, they're going all blown uh, full in online. That's man, that's really, really tough. It's just not gonna, you just don't have the deliberate practice. You just don't have that experience. Um, and you're, I believe that you can't really be as good as you should be for your clients. Right. So to me, it's an ethical thing too. Cause it's like, meh, like, I'm not saying don't, don't do it, but like, you should be busting your butt in the real world, training people because that's going to make you a significantly better online coach. Right. So yeah. Any of those topics you want, you, you want to dive in, I will riff on them all day long. Um, because again, it's like, I, I love this. I, I absolutely fucking love this industry is, is, you know, it's, my mission on that side is that's why I do the business coaching side of it is because I, I want to, you know, talking about how the statistics of how many people left, like there's a lot of great poach, coaches that left. And I, and I, I wish that they didn't, 
right? That they had um, essentially like that they had more skill sets in the areas to help them have be good at business. Because think about this, right? If that coach has, uh, you know, a, a small gym with 120 clients and they go out of business, you know, sure, some of those clients will go somewhere else maybe, but like a lot of people lost their community and their ability to now, you know, be fit and healthy. Okay. So that's the way I look at it. But like, but if, but here's the thing, if, if, he, if they went from 120 to 240, now you doubled the amount of people that they're affecting and changing their life. Right. That's my mentality. And I, and I've seen it like, man, you're really, you know, there's coaching and there's the business of coaching. Wow. You're great at coaching. You're not good at the business of coaching. And, and it's all, it's part of the reason why I teach that. Cause I, I really, you know, think that we're in an industry that truly, you know, like not corny, but like truly does make this insane difference in people's lives. And, um, and like, you know, what better to do? Like, like, you know, I wake up every morning tired or not. I'm like, man, like I, I get to do this. This is amazing. So um, that that's why I'm fired up to try to have more, more of us, you know, of us. Absolutely. It's, I, I tell people when I talk is that it's the coolest job in the world because we can change lives, but we're not, we're not under the pressure of having to save lives. Like if, if somebody clutches their heart and goes down in the middle of a restaurant, don't say call a strength coach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but at the same time, we can still affect that person's lives. So they hopefully never clutch your chest in a restaurant. So um, the thing that I keep kind of hearing from you that I love throughout this whole show is talking about skill sets and the skill sets of just basically being more human. And like one of those skill sets I, I'm, you know, I'm constantly trying to work on is, is listening, being more present. Um, and even throughout, as you're talking, like there's stuff, I don't want to see how well I did. Like I see some common themes, regardless of whether I'm trying to lose body fat, whether I'm trying to build a personal training business, or I want to be able to run faster, jump higher is that like, there's, there's community, right. And then there's who you surround yourself with, uh, and support you or, or, or the opposite. And then there's communication in terms of how you relate and, and, and not only, uh, express, but also take in information, um, and so I see the, but there's also the aspect of like, you, you still got to be good. Like you have, you know, you can't skip over the fact that you need to be uh, good because you could be the, the, the greatest guy in the world. But if you show up and you can't deliver results, like you need to actually have that skill set of being a viable, you know, a person who delivers value. So is there, is there yeah. any that I missed? Is there any big things that you lean on that kind of transcends across all you do? No. I, here's one point I want to make when you brought this up, because uh, I think it's such an important point. Um, have you guys read The Goldmine Effect? Have not, but it's on uh, the list now. Ex excellent book. So, it, it, But really, no, look, you can't avoid, you know, some people are, are, are tall, you know, like I've, I've, been, I've been gifted and I, I, I call myself six foot. My girl will tell me I'm 5'11 and a half, but I'm, you know, in my sneakers, I'm six one-ish. So, <laughs> and then when I played pro, you know, they always give you an inch. So I was like six two. But you know, somebody there no such thing as five eleven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all round. It's all rounded up, baby. But you, you know, some people get gifted. You know, height, this, that, genetics in certain ways. Uh, you know, nature, nurture, and so by the time you're X, Y, Z years old, you know, you you may be better than somebody at, at something else. But if you read, you know, the goldmine effect, the talent code. I mean, I could go down a list of you know these different books, but it's you know, it, it is an, a certain amount of hours and the argument of how many hours it is, you know, it's irrelevant, whether it's 10,000, uh, you know, for certain, here's the thing for certain areas, it's more than 10,000, right? For certain areas, it's less than 10,000, but the kid in Brazil, you know, by the time they're 13 years old, plays 10,000 soccers in the favelas with no shoes on. Okay. 
And the kid in the UK, mom takes him to soccer, you know, three days a week for an hour, hour and a half. How are you going to be better than the kid in Brazil? Like how, right? And so my, I promise I'll, I'll, I'll put all these, all these together because coaching, you know, how are you going to like the, the, the amount of deliberate practice hours, communication. So, okay, I want to be better at listening and understanding. Great. Like I'm, I'm a weirdo. So in my phone, if I will have things blocked out, like practice this, right? I'm going to practice this thing that I want to get better at. And it's like, I'm going to keep adding these hours up, you know, until like I'm somewhat obsessive, but if you want to, like, you should plug in, you know, I call it the watch and the wallet analogy, right? Like that you're committed to your watch and your wallet. So your, your watch is like your calendar. If you tell me like, oh, I'm super committed to this. And I look at your schedule and your schedule doesn't have that in there. You're not committed to it. Okay. Or like, I want to be so, I want to be the best in the world at this. And I'm like, wow, you're working at it one hour a week. Like there's people that are working at it 25 hours a week, right? When golf exploded in Korea, which is another South Korea, which is, you know, uh, there's one lady who, which I, I can't remember the name of that, you know, won the PGA. And then everybody kind of was like, wow, like we can do it now, you know, in South Korea, it's like, look, if you're not training 20 less, if you're training less than 25 hours a week, like you, you won't be in the top 5%. Like there's just no way, you know, oh, you're only training 15 hours a week by right. And these are extremes, but my, my, my premise is here that like the things that people say that want to improve, like you can, I don't care who you are. You can get better at it. You know, can you become Usain Bolt? Probably not. But like, can you dramatically increase your speed? Yes. You know, can you be the greatest communicator on the planet? Maybe not, but like you can become really good. But the thing is, I got to see your watch and your wallet. Now, again, your watch is your schedule. Your wallet is like, where are you investing your money? So I mentioned it early and I said, I wanted to get better at mark. I hired some of the, you know, some of the top marketing masterminds in the world, you know, uh, whether it was coaching the same, whether it was this, that, you know, like I put my money there, right? Like I buy books, you know, I got like an insane amount of books, read books, courses, because that's where my money's going. Cause that's showing what I'm committed to and want to improve. So, to, you know, to that, go back to that gold mine effect is that you're like, it just takes a certain amount of hours and work to become at a certain to, to be at a certain level of the skill set. And the cool, the great thing about it is that like anybody can do it, right? Especially things like, for instance, let's take for, for me, this was kind of big aha moment because you know, no matter how good you are, at a certain point in time, you know, your body's gonna start not being as fast and jump as high, and you know, it's gonna be wear and tear, and like you can't play basketball forever, right? And it's you know, and you you, you might make it to 35 years old and that's a pretty long career actually. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was, this one's running long, but I'm going to make the point. And so the coaching, you can continue to get better forever, right? You can get continue to get better forever. And so using that idea of like, if I continue to practice, I can become world-class at this. Now it might take me X, Y, Z years, but I can do it. And that's powerful. And it's the same thing for nutrition and the way that you eat and your training and everything else. It's like, can you elevate the amount of work, deliberate practice that you're putting into it? And if the answer is yes, I guarantee you in the next six months, a year, you're going to be so much better. And, and I feel like that's a very empowering uh, belief and empowering knowledge that like you can do that. Right. So I, I wanted to wrap that together because it's like all these different things that we talked about. There was a specific amount of deliberate practice that went into them that, you know, allows me or anybody else to be good at what they do and get results from it.
Well, you definitely gave me some some new ones for my Amazon wish list, um, which which continues to grow. So uh, I appreciate that, and and certainly appreciate all your time. And before we wrap up, I want to kind of get, um, you know, what you're working on now. What's some of the new and exciting things you got in 2023, Luca? Whew, that's a kind of a long list. Well, I, I, this year I started um, basically a course business. So I, I launched my first call a course. It was called Small Group Personal Training Mastery, um, and really it's kind of like my model of how I run small groups you know, from the program design side of things to the coaching, to the experience of the client, to how to market it, promote it. Um, you know, people get a year worth of uh, programs. And so there's going to be more of this, that happening this year, uh, along with a kind of continuity business where I educate coaches. I have a book coming out, you know, I, I can't really say the exact, I'm hoping it's going to be at least to by the end of the summer. Um, it's almost done. And then it's got to go through, you know, some more edits and, and pictures and this, that, the other. So I'm excited about that. It's, it's, it's a coach. It's a book for coaches, how to succeed in industry uh, essentially still doesn't have a, a name And on top of, I mean, on top of that is, you know, uh, besides the gym where it's always the heart of everything, you know, we're, we're kind of, we have this massive project that me and uh, one of my friends that owns the biggest basketball um, Academy here in Seattle, you know, we're trying to buy a building and, and put a basketball Academy and a vigor kind of kind of make it the, the best basketball performance place in the Pacific Northwest. You know, that's like one of those big, big, big things that, that we're working on right now. Um, and there's a, a bunch of underlying other things there, but like very, I'm very uh, hardcore in the education side of things. So besides coaching here, cause I'm every day, you know, I coach every day, whether it's pro athletes, sports teams, kids, you know, just regular clients. Um, I, I do that every day and I try to share uh, and educate the, on the coaching side and then also on the business side by running my businesses. So that's really the kind of the focus of 2023. And it's going to happen through courses, through the book. Um, I'm speaking a, an insane amount this year and it continues to, to pack uh, and, roll, uh, you know, kind of pack on, which is, which is fine and great. Cause I love it. But um, that, that education is a big part of it. That's awesome. Great stuff and, and good for you. And we appreciate everything that you're doing. Uh, I want to thank you for your time and coming on here. And we will certainly have the links to all that stuff so you can check out more about Luca because he's, he's, as you can tell, pretty remarkable guy. But uh, I also want to thank you for listening. And this has been the Principles of Performance podcast. Thank you for having me on, man. Thank you for listening to the Principles of Performance podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like and share on our social media outlets as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the Principles of Program Design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.